All right. Well, welcome back. We're, I think, at episode four of uh, the podcast. Today, I've got with me my super, super homie, Sam Parker. And uh, thanks for coming, Sam. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mike. I sure appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, I know all about you because we hang out all the time. <laughs> but uh, can you... Just kind of tell me a little bit about how you grew up, you know, when you were born, yeah. where you were raised, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was, I was born in 1975, um, South Minneapolis. And, um, you know, it was, it, it, at that time, it was, it was, uh, the neighborhood was um, a fairly poor neighborhood. So we were, we were, uh, say we were gentrifiers in the neighborhood. We were, we were the middle class, lower middle class white folks that were moving into a predominantly Native American neighborhood. I don't know if it was predominantly Native American, but it was it was a very um, mixed neighborhood, huh. which is kind of strange for Minneapolis. And um, um, so it was, it was an interesting beginning, uh, really coming from like a, a middle class background and not really growing up in a middle class neighborhood. So, you know, were you as a minority as a white kid in your neighborhood? I don't know if I was a minority, but it was definitely... Was that, like, um, m- m- more mixed than you thought, yeah, kind was, of ex- yeah, definitely. would expect, let's say? Yeah, for sure, in Minneapolis. I mean, Minnesota is extremely uh, Caucasian. Yeah. So, it was, I mean, it was, it was an interesting, you know, I was I was white boy um, quite often. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was interesting, it was an interesting growing up, it was, it was a tough neighborhood. I was not particularly tough, so. Well, and it seems like a tough, like just environment. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like the snow is in Minneapolis oh, is notorious, oh, and man. I was born and raised in upstate New York, and we oh, had, yeah. I remember uh, snow a few feet deep. Feet of snow. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Tough. That's one of the main reasons I left Minneapolis in '95, is just to, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the cold. It, you know, it wasn't even so much the snow. It was like, uh, um, 15 below zero, 20 below zero with these crazy wind chills and it was uh it was just unbearable especially being 20 21 years old it sure was, it sure was, it was not so a, you stayed in minneapolis say your, your whole youth until you finally yeah. were old enough to move away from yeah, there did totally. you go to uh how did you do in public school did you take art programs were you a good yeah, student i was a good student i think it came easy to me i think there was things that i excelled at and things that i struggled with um definitely really young you know i was, <laughs> yeah. I was not didn't we all at language arts in high school, I was terrible at math. But um, you know, like like a lot of my friends who were skipping school, one thing I didn't do is I didn't skip school. So it was like I didn't either. It was like I just went to class, <laughs> and it was like all my friends would be like, "Yo, come on, come on," and I'd just yeah. be like, "I'm just gonna do it." And it's like I don't know if I passed with C's or B's or A's. Probably I was somewhere in there, you know, varying from subject to subject. I mean, art was definitely my solace or like the thing that I shined at, you know, all, all the way through elementary. But, but, you know, I was, I was even good. I was good in other classes. It just wasn't, it wasn't the place I shined, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I think, I think really I was a lazy student. I think I was an underachiever. I think I didn't want to stand out. I think I wanted people to think I was cool or tough or something like that. Sure. When, when, in, when in reality I was just kind of this nerdy art dork. Me um, too, bro. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, no, so, I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Did you go to college in Minneapolis? You know, I started. Uh, I started as a high school student um, in Minneapolis. They had a, a program. It was like called post post secondary. So I was able to go to Minneapolis College of Art and Design starting at sixteen, 
And by the time I graduated high school, I had a year of college done, but I was just, I just wasn't ready. Huh. Like after I graduated high school, um, I went for one semester and, um, I think I was just, I was eating way too much LSD and, and, uh, painting freight trains and I just was not, uh, it was not where I was at, you know, I was, I, you were educating yourself in different, in different ways, different parts of, yeah. Your, yeah. No, I was doing kind of the same in the nineties. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. So was school the thing that led you out of Minneapolis? Uh, no. Or just, was, you just, just half, time to move half, on? Half of the graffiti crew that I was part of, um. Starting in 93, I got put down in a crew called AKB. And, um, and that was 93. When did you start writing graffiti? Uh, I, start, I, started, uh, I started tagging or being a toy in 86, 87. And then by 89, I'd, I'd started writing the name that I write now. Yeah. Would you mind saying that? or do you Ciro, wanna... C-E-R-O. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, I don't do much illegal stuff with it. Actually, I don't do any illegal stuff. Sure, I don't either these days. Yeah, so, you know, but I'm sure you did. Uh, you did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. We did a lot of bombing, a lot of freight trains. Um, freeways were so much fun. Sure. And uh, so it was, uh, um, you know, half the community had left. Uh, half of AKB had left Minneapolis and went to Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, my best friend uh, uh, who wrote Chen. He, he was down there, and he was like, come on, man, come on. And that's the next year. That, that winter of 94, 90, winter of 94 was brutally cold. It was just like day after day. It was 20 below zero, and I was working. 20 below? It was just unbearable. And wow. I'm surprised people live there at all. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, what's funny is, is I, I never realized I had seasonal depression until I moved to Georgia, and then all of a sudden, like, those uh, just – Right, just like brutal winters where it was like I just felt like a, a pile of shit all winter long. All of a sudden, you know, not not that I didn't have bad winters in Georgia, yeah. but it was like it wasn't that deep, deep like depressed groove from the weather. Uh, you know, and, and no. maybe it's not the weather, but I think it's no. But I, I think there's an important lesson to be heard there. Yeah, in that you didn't know what kind of difficulties you were dealing with. Until you removed yourself from them for, for a little sure. while, yeah. you know what I mean. It's like I always say, you don't know what it is to be an American until you leave America oh, for, for a while, sure. you know. So I can see that, and there's probably somebody out there listening that's just like, oh, maybe that's why I'm so <laughs> yeah. bummed. It's in the winter, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah that for makes sure. sense. Something we talked about too uh, in the past was the Sharp Movement. Yeah, you know, and we, you were part of that, right? Yeah, I mean, we, can you I, explain to you know? Because I'm sure a lot of people have no idea what that is. And right. Sharp breaks down to skinheads against racial prejudice, yeah. so anti-racist skinheads, which yeah. I think for a lot of people they don't even know that that exists, right. or frankly that that was the beginning right. of the skinhead movement right. was a fusion of cultures. Uh, yeah, I mean. From what I understand, I'm certainly not a historian on, on skinhead history, uh, the, the origins. No, neither of am I. But, <laughs> but, but from what I understand, it was a mixing of uh, uh, Jamaican kids moving to um, England and white and black and East Indian um, English kids is kind of the origin of it. It may, it may have even originated in Jamaica and then was brought over. But I think it was more of a fusion 
of the two cultures. That's what I understand like too. Scum, they were all in the music. same neighborhood, and yeah. the white kids really dug the ska and the yeah. reggae, and were yeah. hanging out with the black kids, and it yeah. was cool. Yeah, that's like the two tone movement totally. in skinhead culture, where it was black and white. When you ever yeah. see the checkerboard associated sure. with skinheads, that means you know non-racist because yeah. it's black and white as everybody right you know? so in minneapolis the the skinhead group that i was part of we were called the baldies um this was mid to late 80s um that I, I was really young you know so i was i was highly impressionable um hanging out with oh, i'm good at that was rock so. yeah. <laughs> i passed in the joint and he denied it that's probably a smart move yeah. um, <laughs> um so in Minneapolis, it was like, I looked up to all these older guys. My, my brother was uh, a member of this crew. And, you know, initially it was, um, it was very political. It was, there was a, another group that was uh, anti-racist actions that was, that was um, um, the Baldies from Minneapolis, some skinheads from Chicago, and like all these Midwest skinhead groups um, that were uh, uniting to fight racism, I, you know, and it's hard for me to talk about because it was like you know I was, I was 12 13 14 years old so really what my memories of it were were kind of like i, I admired these people i wasn't the mover and shaker i admired, no i admired you were a little guy folks. yeah i was i like i wanted to hang out and i did you sure know? i was like i go to shows with them and like these big skinhead dudes would put me on their shoulders and take me in the pit and stuff and sure it was fun you know yeah the, like oh my, the same thing happened at albuquerque yeah totally. i knew some guys that were sharps totally and I definitely didn't get along with the, the Nazi guys, yeah. you know. Um, they were handing out a lot of violence. Um, and I think kids need to understand that, too, that there was a lot of... There were big groups of all-white guys yeah. getting together and smashing on minorities, yeah. gay people. And that's what led to the rise of things like Sharp. Yeah. You know, I mean, I always thought it kind of odd to still be skinheads you know what i mean but once i learned the origins of it and that the racist co-opted that scene right you know and now it's interesting to me that like in the gay scene the skinhead look is popular and it's its own little niche like the bears oh yeah totally the queens and the you know the skinhead has its own uh thing you'll see gay flyers (laughs) with skinheads with big packages you know it is pretty macho i mean i mean the tom of finland look is very skinhead sure sure no i'm sure he was he was aware of all those kind of (laughs) subcultural things so you ended up uh when did you how old were you when you left minneapolis i was 20 you were 20 okay so i think i was i did too i think i was 20 when i moved to uh san francisco nice yeah so you ended up going to atlanta mostly because you already had some of your uh, graffiti homies were yeah, there, right? Yeah, I'd gone down and visited in 94 and was just like, all right, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And Can then, you explain to people a little bit about, like, what a graffiti crew is? Because keep, we keep saying that and, you know, so, and it is like a, a group of friends that end up helping each other even with things like interstate moves and whatnot, right. you know, but it, at essence, we're a criminal group, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like softcore suppose which some people cross into like some some harder stuff but um certainly there's graffiti writers who are rather peaceful and you know and then there's writers who are just tough guys sketchies yeah Yeah, Yeah. sure so i mean and our crew was had both you know i mean not not necessarily that we were so we were so tough but i mean there was a lot of fights and there was a lot of uh was it ever really about that though because it was it 
I mean, to me, it was still about you had to be a good graffiti writer. Yeah. And if I mean, you happen to be it, a tough guy or you yeah, happen to be a, a nerd, right. like it didn't matter. It was just it if was you were about, a good graffiti writer. It was about writer. getting up. It was it was about like having a community of people and everybody was was trying to get up. Um, so you put we put up three letters that represented us, and then we put our names next to it. And, uh, yeah. And uh, and it was all about being seen being as up as possible and then having the dopest style you know yeah. had like like innovating styles and like as much as you didn't want other people to bite you you wanted everybody to bite you because it was like that meant that you were the you're fucking, making an impact the king that was getting jocked you know yeah and uh, yeah and for for sure i mean it was i mean it's there's a lot of kind of middle school high school politics that that uh continue all the way through like even writers who are 30 40 years old still carry some of those ideas you know where it's like you're jocking my shit or, or whatever it is oh um, sure we well we hold that stuff really sacred yeah totally. it's important to yeah, us yeah. you know and it's, again i think a lot of that is because it's crime yeah at, at the bot at the end yeah. of the day i mean right. if you're out there at night writing on right. stuff that's not yours like yeah. y- there's no getting around that I, I can't even tell you how many times we've been chased like just either putting up tags or hitting a freeway spot and all of a sudden there's blue flashing lights sure like a motorcycle cop coming the wrong way down the freeway sure and you're running through traffic it's scary it's fucking fun sure and uh and dangerous as hell and then sometimes you're just painting under a bridge you know it's, it's, it's like, mellow yeah yeah so, so was atlanta a big change it was yeah definitely i mean i mean part of it was there wasn't the safety net of my folks you know so it was i mean i mean they, they definitely like like if, if i got into financial issues is it, it was definitely different but it was also like culturally it's different time know, to be so, a man like i i, I, I yeah. grew up in the north you know thinking and, and, I, and i don't really hold this view at all anymore but thinking that there was something ignorant about the south well i think a lot of people have that opinion yeah and, I, and then I, you go and you're like oh no yeah, actually they're crazy people friendly are, <laughs> people are just just the damn same maybe yeah. they're a little more open about their racism and stuff but um but maybe not you know it's like like i think uh america is an awfully racist place no matter where you're at so it can be, yeah. But again, it, I think it just depends on who you're hanging out with. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But yeah, the South was really good. I met some really good people there. Um, you know, I wound up uh, when I was uh, late twenty twenty one. I, I started tattooing professionally in Atlanta. How did uh, that start? Um, you know, I'd been scratching out of my house for a couple of years. I started scratching like the week after I graduated high school. The um, week after you graduated from high school. Yeah. What? How? What a, kind of equipment did you have? I, I had a friend, uh, Nick Scrady, who was working out of his house, and he was, uh, uh, for for someone working out of their house, he was damn good at it. You know, he was. And what year was this? Uh, nine. So he started 91, 90, maybe ninety two, ninety one, I think. Yeah. So I started I started getting tattooed by him in ninety one, and then um, um, in ninety three, um, I started tattooing out of my bedroom in my parents' house. And then I continued to when I moved out. And when I moved to Atlanta, I, started, I kept tattooing out of the house. And then I'd gone by one shop um, and uh, showed him some pictures. And he, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say, you know, go away, kid. You bother me or whatever. Yeah. He just, but he just said, I don't have anything for you. And then he had someone out of town, which is usually the case, yeah, right? Totally. Even yeah. to this day, totally. you can walk into a shop, but they probably got a crew, yeah. man. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Good luck with that. Totally. And so as a, I had a friend, a roommate I was living with, actually a, a mutual friend of ours, um, Keith Darms, who was oh, yeah. a, apprenticing Keith. at uh, 
Timeless Tattoo at the time. Ah, uh, right. With and, uh, Cap Sumsky. Cap Sumsky, who just Amazing tattooer that probably ago. people don't know about. Yeah, amazing guy, man. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I'd go hang out with him up at Timeless Tattoo in Atlanta and uh, watch the tattoos, and I was amazed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's weird. You know, I, I never, it was never really my intention to tattoo. Mm. Um, I don't know what it was. You know, I, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a professional artist. And, um, and tattooing just kind of fell in my lap, which I feel really blessed about now. 25 years later, I feel sure. really blessed about, you know, it got me through two degrees. And, and It's kind of how it had to happen back yeah, then. Totally. I mean, it's a bit different now. Yeah, you it's know, different now. You can just kind of walk right in with yeah. zero tattoos and not knowing anybody and just get all your equipment from Amazon and yeah. bam. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, so back then it was... It was, uh, yeah, the shot. There was. How were you even getting needles and stuff if you were working at home back then? Um, were you able to order them from somebody or somebody making did them? I, or yeah, were you I making did. Them? I was, no, I was able to order them from some catalog. So sure. I, I ordered. Uh, I ordered stuff out of Tattoo Magazine, and it was just it was Big Joe Kaplan's. I got two yeah. two iron frames. They were, sure. They they worked fine. You know, they just they weren't tuned great when I got them. Of course not. I didn't know what a liner or a shader was or. Something you got to feel out after a while. Anyway. And, uh, you know, they sent me all this flash and all this and these pigments that were mostly white pigment with a little bit of color mixed in with the white pigment. And I was tattooing people, like, the week after I got them, just putting scars on people. It was, it was, it was pretty gnarly, except it was all high school kids, so they didn't even care, you know. <laughs> what was the... Well, because you were, you were tattooing at home, so you were tattooing yeah. kids that were underage? Yeah, definitely. Huh. Uh, I never, never got in trouble for it. I mean, I, you know, or, or it was like bikers, you know? I was like, I, No, <laughs> I understand completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like in Albuquerque, if you were a teenager, oh, there was plenty of people to go oh, get tattooed yeah. by on various levels of skill <clears throat> level and oh. price, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I ended up covering up a lot of that totally, stuff later totally. on. You know what yeah. I mean? I, a lot of my uh, friends from high school and middle school even have tattoos that I did on them. And I, I go home now and see them, and it's just embarrassing, you know? Sure. I, I covered some of them up, but some of them are just heinous looking. Yeah. Well, that happens. <laughs> yeah, totally. That happens. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so how long, you know, before you ended up getting a spot in a shop in Atlanta... Uh, I was there six months or something like that. So it was like right at the end of 95, I got a job okay. in the shop. Yeah. So you just kind of, what were you doing in those? I mean, I feel like a lot of young people are out there and they're thinking about doing this and hoping for their big break and they just don't know how long it's going to take. And So I want to know, like, what were you doing during that six months? Were you being like super proactive about trying to get into a shop? Or were you just trying to like no. do really good tattoos and hope no. that things came around? Or? I was painting graffiti and drinking Twenty-two ounces of red uh, blue bull and um, uh, oh, the, wor- the, the, Schlitz, the blue bull, the Schlitz. Schlitz. <laughs> I remember nah, drinking. Those. I was drinking, man. I, I don't think I. Was I drank drinking. a lot then too, but I was yeah. still getting a lot done. Yeah, I was drawing every day, and we were painting a lot. Like we were bombing, like really. Sometimes we paint all night. Yeah, totally. Even though we were drinking forties all yeah. day and night. Yeah, we we yeah. ride bikes and go bombing. Yep. We go peace during the day. Ought to be young. Bridge. Yeah, totally. We stay up till five. Fueled by forties. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I try. I think I try, I came to art night one night with uh when it was when we first started. Yeah. And, uh, brought a a forty of old E or something. Sure. Just vile. <laughs> oh no. Tasted like no, poison. it is. It is. Well, it is kind of. Yeah. Isn't it like the scum they scrape uh, off the good beer and sh- then that shit? Because <laughs> it's not called beer. It's called malt liquor. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. It's, it's not it's beer. Rough, yeah. It's like. Yeah, it's and like it's the difference the dregs, between right? a Chardonnay and a uh, like a 
Thunderbird. A wine oak, port wine, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, quite a range there. So. so tell me about, you know, how long were you in Atlanta? Because I've only known you since you've moved to Colorado. Right. I was there for 20 years. So I moved there in 95 and I left there in 2005. Yeah, no, 2015, jeez. I, I did 20 years in California. That's huh. Bad. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it was my, all of my adult life, man. Yeah. So, up until I moved here. Sure. Yeah. Well, when did you have your son? I was, I, I turned 22. So his, his birthday is three weeks after mine. So I turned 22, and then he was born three weeks later. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a life changer. You know, it was like, it was the end of graffiti. It was the end of, uh, uh, drinking 40s till three in the morning sure you know it was a it was a big shift you know I was, and I was tattooing professionally at the time so it was um it's just a big transition in my life you know I, I had uh just recently gotten arrested with a, a felony possession and um it just it was like the right time to make some big shifts you know I was like doing kind of stupid shit not, not stupid, I've heard that from other people though that like you, you know, you might think, oh, man, having a kid young, that might be kind of tough. But for a lot of people, it gave them that direction to straighten their shit out, you yeah. know, and force the issue, so to speak. Totally. You know, like, I got to be a good parent. Right. Like, yeah. I have to. Well, I stopped I stopped writing for a long time because I, was sure. just like, I, I can't I can't, not can't be out all night. Pick up my kids from <laughs> kindergarten or no. whatever if I'm in jail. You know? so, so I really stopped with the graffiti and um stopped with drugs and stuff like that i got really sober well i got yeah i got pretty sober what kind of drugs were you fucking with mostly hallucinogens me marijuana too. you know how I, I, I never liked speedy drugs i was just i never did either <clears throat> i like to explore my own mind you know mm-hmm. and um and um do you remember what kind of lsd you were getting uh, a lot of shield it was like purple shield oh i remember the shields uh, yeah like pink we had those shield, in san francisco shield. Um, yeah i remember those i had some octopus um, Ooh, I don't remember an octopus. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Maybe there's some Felix the Cat or something. I sold those. Yeah, yeah sold, those were I all over the country. Shit. I made sure of that. I hope my parents don't hear this, but oh, who yeah. cares? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, even now, like, would you have ever expected cannabis to be decriminalized? No. I, mean, I mean, and now crazy. there's, um, you know, you can actually go take psychedelics as part of a yeah. therapy session totally. now. I mean, that's uh, the thing. I mean, it's, like, it's we're ludicrous. a little. That's our generation. We had to be on the down low about that stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, unless you were among your your good friends, your crew, totally. you know. Yeah. And then it was game yeah. on. Yeah, I loved LSD. Uh, yeah, I did too. Psilocybin. Is it still something you'd recommend to young people to try? Uh, uh yeah. No, yes. Yeah. I, I th- no, I, think, I do too. I think I think uh, moderate doses of psilocybin or LSD are um, greatly expansive to your. Uh, knowledge of yourself and I think that right. is that is it um, you know I, I would I would say you know I've, I've t- I took so much that I wound up in the hospital at one point it was not a it was not a fun good sure people uh, overdo everything experience, you know but it was <laughs> it was um, it was something that happened it was I learned a lot about myself by sure seeing how far my boundaries were so I, would say, I did the same I would say uh, I pushed it quite a few times right I I'd say uh, if I if I if I use it now, it's very sparingly, and and it's uh, uh it's called microdosing, and and uh, sure. that's what I would recommend you start off with, though. Oh, of course, it's very very mellow. You 
Least. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of the same with pot, man. Yeah. You don't want to just jump right into doing, right. you know, smoking a whole joint. Like, hit that shit once right. and put it down and the, see how you feel. The half you know dozen what I mean? times I smoked weed with you, I was so high, I was like... Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that, though. Like, people will come into this studio and they'll overextend themselves with cannabis. You know what I mean? Because I feel like they... You know, I'm putting them in a safe zone. Yeah, yeah. I can put some nice music on. If you start to bug out, I can kind of read it and offer some yeah. hot tea. Maybe walk in the backyard with the dogs. Yeah. You know, but I do hear that a lot. That people yeah. are like, dude, I've never been as high as I was in your studio, man. Yeah. That, that, uh, I love that. I love that. So... What was Atlanta like? I mean, you know, I mean, it seems like it's such a different uh, cultural thing than Minneapolis. It, yeah, it is, man. It's like, um, it's a bigger city, you know. I, I don't know how big Minneapolis was at that time. I feel like Minneapolis-St. Paul was maybe combined a million people, probably a little bit under that. And and Atlanta was about five and a half million people, Metro, Metro Atlanta versus Metro Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh-huh. So it was just, a, it was, it was bigger um i don't know it was faster like it just like every it it, it felt like um oh, there was a lot of there was a lot of possibilities there's a lot of places to go and uh and i'm really you know i'm really glad i went there because you know i, I feel like i really found myself in atlanta as an adult as an artist as a uh creative person that was you know and as a and as a parent you know it was like uh um I don't know. It was really expansive for me. Um, I feel like my world was really small before moving there, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger until I just felt like I hit my limit there. Yeah. Um, well, what kind of what was your limit? I mean, you know, at what was, point did it kind of lose its? Uh... I think I, I think I, you know, I, I got I went to college there. I went to art school. And, um, oh, so you did eventually go to yeah. Art I went school. back. I went back after my son was born. I went back to uh, Kennesaw State University and did my bachelor's in uh, drawing and painting, which was I mean, it was and a, you, were you working as a tattooer full time yeah, at that time? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I was. Huh. I was tattooing. Because usually, I mean, it's like you know, a kid will go to art school now and come out and yeah. be like, I'm going to be a pro tattooer, yeah. you know, and they've got drawing skills and they. They know what's up, but you you went to school once you were already. Yeah, I could I could draw really well by the time I got to art school. What I really honed there was like my life drawing skills. Um, ah, okay. And um, you know, just having that conversation like on a regular basis, where you're where you're critiquing work, you're looking at work, and and um, uh, becoming more articulate and more aware. And you know, when I went back to school as a parent, as with a, I was I think I was. 23 or 24 when I went back to college and 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 just in those few years I had gained a lot of life experience and I was just ready you know I was I couldn't I couldn't get enough information I just wanted to eat it up you know and and take all these classes so I I fucked around for a long time I definitely didn't do it in four years even even with um well yeah but it sounds like you were still having to work and raise yeah, your son. And, totally, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to take a little long. How long yeah. did it take you? Oh, I went back in it's either 99 or 2000. Wait, let's see. 99, 2000. And then I graduated in 2004. So, I guess it was five years. That's which, not bad. Yeah, with, with a year done. So, at first, I was taking two classes. And then, by the end of it, I was taking four or five classes. Um, so, it was, yeah, I guess it wasn't that long. 
Um, but it was sure. a great experience, man. I, I made a lot of good friends, people I still talk to and stuff. Sure. For sure. And and, um, uh, and I learned a lot. And I learned yeah. I learned how to draw from life. Um, and and it was kind of like, uh, um, you know, I knew how to draw tattoo designs. Uh, at that time, I was I was obsessed with Japanese tattooing. So I was like. How did you even find out about Japanese tattooing? Somebody have books and uh, stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what year was this? 90. Uh, so, so when, when I first started was this tattooing. still 90s? Yeah, this was 90s. My, yeah, because pre-internet kind of, right? Like, yeah, it was, well, yeah. It was right around when was that was happening. the internet for sure. Yeah. Um, the, guy that, the guy that got me started, he said I had to buy two books. Uh, this guy, Rob Myers, said I had to buy uh, Sailor Jerry's, oh, I forget what it's even called. Um, uh, it was the one that Hardy Marks put out. Um, with like the stencil line drawings yeah, on. Yeah, there's a lot of you know. There's or inter- the interviews. watercolor book. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I, I still have it. Because there's a big Sailor Jerry Flash book that's really nice. Yeah. That's like I got some it. of those later. This one had yeah. like interviews with Ed Hardy. Had interviewed. Oh, uh, interesting. Sailor Jerry. And then the other one. one he told me I had to get was um, the Japanese tattoo. I, f- I forget the person that published that. Um, it's just called Japanese tattoo. Yeah. I think I have the one. It's yeah. like almost all body suits. Yeah, totally. Film camera. And it's that like was all, the one. It's all um, uh, hand poked, you know. And it's like yeah. It's, and, I, and I'd seen it before that. You know, I still got, have mine. Yeah, I've got mine somewhere too. Uh, I haven't looked at it in years, but yeah. But um, you know, and, and 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 at that point in time, I was really like obsessed with like Guy Atchison and stuff like that. So oh right, and, and, and like Marcus Pacheco and and uh, well, and explain like what kind of work that they do because I'm sure a lot of people you know aren't in the tattoo scene and have no idea but like Guy Atchison was really revolutionary in the way that he approached I mean he's doing tattooing he was doing a lot of that like uh, skin tear stuff that became corny later in the 90s sure at that point it was like um, this like what we call skin cheese now but it was like these really deep um tunnels of that look like they're burrowing into people's flesh with yeah like animals or sharks or or um a little bit later like geometric patterns inside of them and it stuff really like evolved that. yeah it, totally. it makes people look sculptural yeah. it's not just pictures on totally. the skin i think that's a big thing to point out you know and i think that marcus pacheco was yeah. revolutionary also and in, in a kind of a different way totally, with the dimensionality of the subject matter and yeah. the light sources and the scale yeah um yeah if you guys anybody out there is into tattoos look up guy atchison and marcus pacheco (laughs) and then and then it was like right after i started tattooing professionally i I found um um like bob roberts and stuff like that right i'd seen some of that stuff before it was it was Uh. was a couple generations before but it was um like keith darms uh um put me onto a lot of things the guy that the guy that i met that Sure. Oh, he put me onto a lot of things when he was living yeah, in Albuquerque. Totally. For sure. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, so I was like, it, 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 the Japanese stuff, um, it was kind of drilled into my head. Like, this is the tradition. This is, like, where we come from. This is, what, like, even the Guy Atchison stuff, if you look at the, the really basic form of it, has a lot of Japanese compositional elements to it. I don't know whether Guy actually studied Japanese compositional elements but it has some of the same like s curves and stuff i, th- I, th- I think you know i would say it's just that's the natural if if you study the muscles of the body and how yeah. they move as a tattoo artist you're going to place things in a certain way to yeah. <coughs> you know either 
a flat spot to accentuate a flat design yeah. or something dimensional to accentuate the musculature. Totally. You know what I'm saying? And the Japanese, I think, because they have such a, a long history of a particular style, it's, it's, you know, it's had centuries worth of time to work out those little details like the, the swirling wind on the shoulder or the buttocks or how the, the water should move in circular places in totally. certain parts of the body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I feel like uh, Guy did the same thing just by looking at the body and yeah. being like, how can I make this right. uh, even more impressive as it moves? Right. Yeah. You know? I, you know, I've never met Guy, but I, I assume I haven't he's, either. Just, <laughs> just, he's kind of a genius and, and uh, or a, little, well, you know, a little bit of a savant or something. Who knows? Like yeah, uh, yeah I, I certainly don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Just a, I don't know. It's just funny we ended up talking about Guy Atchison. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I started. You know, was, uh, he he and Aaron Kane really started the biomechanical. So when I first saw that, when I was eighteen years old, I was I was buying magazines and stuff. Yeah, I was just blown away. You know, especially in magazines, it was it was hard to find really like good quality tattoos, and I'd see one one or two of their tattoos, and I was just blown away. I felt like there was a bit of a connection to uh, abstract graffiti writing. Absolutely. There was something about the way that they were making things dimensional and using these bright colors totally. to create uh, dimension in, in well, shadow. You know what I mean? Marcus, and it was Marcus like Marcus was in San Francisco, or was he? In yeah, LA? yeah. I ooh, I only. I mean, I've only known about him in San Francisco, yeah, but I'm sure true. he probably tattooed somewhere before yeah. there. That's you know, true. before he was at uh, Primal Urge, or yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I was, uh, I, yeah, I was not not that aware of him, but but well, I was I was aware of his work. Was, yeah, was oh, I was too. How like he was using the light sources and stuff. Yeah, like there was this big scary uh, skinhead dude named Boris from Albuquerque, <laughs> and he used to go to San Francisco to buy drugs, and he would get tattooed at Primal Urge while he was there, and usually he'd give them kind of free reign, or he'd see something on the wall like, "Yo, that Chrome Scorpion's sick. Can I get that?" You know, and he'd come back with these crazy fucking things, and he was a scary dude, but. I related to him on an art level, and I didn't fear the dude. Yeah. So he, he was always hella cool to me. Like everybody else was just like, "Why are you even talking to that fool?" Like he was a he was a sketchy skinhead, yeah. granted too. But to me, you know, I don't know. People can be who they want to be and whatever. But the dude was getting sick tattoos, yeah. you know. And I was always I'd stop him and ask him, you know, he'd yeah. be like. I don't know. He'd always look at me a little crazy, like I can't believe this fucking guy is stopping me. <laughs> but that's how you had to see shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. You, you I know, mean, there was no internet. It's like it's well, funny now. Didn't even Cap um, Sumsky have a crazy sleeve? Uh, yeah, he had a guy covered up sleeve. A man. guy. He did, didn't yeah, he? Totally. Was, I remember. I'd see uh, him and I'd be like, "Can I just look at yeah, your arm respectfully, totally. sir?" You yeah. know, and he'd be like, "Oh hell yeah, check yeah. it out," you yeah. know. He was mad cool about letting me yeah. see that. Because, again, as a writer, you were like, whoa, this is like wild-style yeah, tattoos, totally. yeah. skin stuff. Yeah. And it was interesting to see then graffiti writers starting to get just straight-up graffiti tattooed totally. on them. Totally. Did you do a lot of... Yeah, man. Even, like, the first, on people? The, the first year, even scratching, I did some graph, you know. I was like, Well, sure, I did, too. First tattoo I ever did on myself is a graffiti <laughs> piece. <laughs> did you do a giant... I did, right on my left thigh. <laughs> I think yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Like I, I remember doing like just like a hip hop mark, marker tag on this oh, guy sure. who, who was a DJ. That impressed the, people. The you know, and it was like 
with like a chisel tip. Exactly. That still impresses people. <clears throat> they come in and they're like, yeah, I want it to look graffiti style. And you're like, oh, yeah, no problem. You just pull out a chisel <laughs> marker and just do it right yeah. in front of them yeah. and write out whatever word they want, like six different ways. And they're yeah. just like, whoa, are you a graffiti <laughs> dude? I'm like, well, I used to be. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you're after. Like, yeah, yeah I can set you up, kid. Yeah. So yeah, I did, definitely I did a lot of graph, you know. It's like, and I was looking at, like, like once Grimes started tattooing and stuff, um, his, and uh, was that late? must have been early 2000s when he was doing these amazing uh, uh, graffiti pieces on people and it was kind of mind-blowing he was doing those in the 90s was he? yeah 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 because I got to San Francisco in 93 and frankly I think he was the first person that I saw that had a huge graffiti piece on him crazy he was <laughs> but he did do a lot of graffiti yeah. pieces I I did too yeah um I got one f- myself from Bless. Nice. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing. I think I've got five giant graffiti pieces right. on my body, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. But it shows where we're at. Yeah, oh, too. just write write my name for me like your style, and just <laughs> yeah. we'll just leave that there forever. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's you're you're that dope. Like yeah. whatever you come up with. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's really cool. What other kind of stuff were you tattooing in Atlanta? I mean, I, I imagine you were tattooing I mean, a lot of black folks. Yeah, it was, it was uh, the shop I started off in was um, just like, it was a street shop. So it was kind of a ghetto street shop. Did lots of $25 names. Like, sure. Um, initially, the, the, there was a lot of shops that had $25 name specials. Um, right. Which it wasn't, it wasn't much of a discount. I think our minimum was $30. and. 95 but sure was, uh, i remember shops that was like five bucks a letter yeah totally man I mean, that's, <laughs> it get weird yeah so so it's like i did a lot of script you know and it was kind of script just, is was, that mostly what people were into man i was just like i would tattoo someone's name on him for the fourth time it was bizarre sure. i mean it was like sure it was like people just didn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. it was like so it was like a lot of like um name rose combinations lots of panthers i was tattooing a lot of that um tattoo brand flash sure like the the jd crow stuff and right then i was really excited when uh, cherry creek came out <laughs> it was like uh, 97 or something like that and it mm-hmm. was like a little bit updated now it's pretty well it was pretty corny then but you know it's like it was um, an update did i remember when uh you know black folks were wearing the african medallions and stuff yeah. in hip-hop you know did yeah. That whole like African iconography oh, make it to the tattoo For shops. Sure. You know, actually, I thought it did. I got a funny story about the the first thing I I spelled wrong. Um, <laughs> I, it was this guy Greg. He was this great big, uh, nice dude. This great big black dude, and he wanted uh, 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 this giant just black solid black Africa on his arm, and it said, and then above it, he wanted me to write the struggle continues. That's and, pretty uh, classic. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen other people yeah. with that exact, the yeah. silhouette of Africa yeah. blacked out, right? Yeah. And then those words, yeah. Continues, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I uh, freehanded it on, I freehanded the struggle continues. I had no business freehanding oh. in 95. I had no business freehanding <laughs> why? anything. Uh, why? Were you I just st- not paying attention enough? Were you cocky? Or, I mean, oh, you know, I, were you just, I your mean, spelling was bad? Or? Yeah, I, I, left the, <laughs> I left the R out of struggle. So, struggle. So struggle continues. It was just a bummer, man. And he called me and was just like, dude, man, you fucking spelled it wrong. I was pretty scared, but, um, you know, 
I want wound up covering it up and writing it correctly underneath it or something like that. Oh, so you did worked that. it out? Yeah. Did you just make the continent bigger? No, I did like a just oh. like a tribal band over the top. Oh, of it. I, I see. Like an African pattern over the top. Sure. Of it. it worked fine. Sure. But it was he. Uh, Frankly, was, like these days, I just tell people like it hasn't happened to me in a long time. But I've I have friends that are tattooing full time, and recently a guy did that, and he was just like told his customer just let it heal completely yeah. come back i'll give you a gift certificate to the laser place they'll knock that part of it out <laughs> yeah. and then you come back and see yeah. me a month later yeah and we're gold yeah I suppose. like don't sweat it it's just <laughs> yeah. you're gonna have to deal with it yeah. for what two months yeah, maybe totally. three but yeah these days like ah don't don't freak out nah. it's not the end of the world nah. you know i've spelled so many things wrong since then it's just it was, it was the first time i did it so it was just kind yeah. of scary you know? I, like, I can only think of one occasion when it was spelled wrong and it was really it was a french word i was going with the client and that he looked at it and saw that it was spelled correctly mm-hmm. you know and we put it on him and it looks beautiful but it, it's spelled incorrectly yeah, yeah you know but i don't think he's tripping Nah. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, no. <laughs> Dustin Klein, if you're out there. <laughs> I remember. I remember very clearly. I think that was the only time. Somebody else, I'm sure, will remind me. That's funny. But, you know, it's like when I was working in San Francisco, um, I would get black folks that would come into the shop hoping to get tattooed. And I'd be like, you know, what do you want? If it was within reason, I was more than happy to. And often they would admit that they had gone to other shops in the same town and had been just told, no, nah, we don't oh, yeah. tattoo dark skin. Yeah. You know, I mean, and to me, that's just that's fucked. Yeah. Like as a professional, you should figure out a way, y- yeah. you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, like I've even done Japanese style stuff on black folks sure. and it looks amazing. For sure. Yeah. You know, did you do you have anything yeah. to say about that? Like, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, tattooing in Atlanta, I tattooed a lot of black folks that um, got Japanese stuff that was uh, worked great. I mean, black and gray, um, in my opinion, works the best on brown skin, you know. And, I absolutely and, agree. Uh, so it's like big, bold um, koi or dragon or something like sure. that. Sure. Kind of samurai on, on uh, um, I have one client I did uh, chest panels and half sleeves on um, sure. a decade or more ago. And, and uh um, you know, saw them not too long ago, and they still look great. You know, um, no, I've I've had the same experience. Absolutely, it's just a I I don't know. It's just such a shame to me to hear that people are getting turned away. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's yeah. just fucked. Yeah, I mean, it, whatever. It, that definitely happened. You know, it yeah. Tattooers out there, come uh, on, man. What <laughs> the fuck so, is that shit? Some tattooers, yeah, so they can be pretty grumpy. Yeah. So, I mean, uh. You just—I mean—you must have just kind of cruised through Atlanta, you know. Raised your son there. Yeah. You know. I, did you stay at the same shop kind of the whole nah, time, or I, did, were you kind of doing the usual, like working your way up to better and better places kinda, as you could? Kinda, yeah. I mean, you know, it was like like uh, at first um, I worked in a street shop that was not the not the best shop, but you know, at that time there was only sixteen street sh- there was only sixteen shops in all of Metro Atlanta. How many that, do you think there is now? There's over 300 now. Okay. So it's like it's it's exponentially grown in the last 20 years, and um, has the city grown that grown that much? 
yeah, for <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's grown I mean, a lot, but like, not you know, that much. No, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, more people get tattooed and more people get big pieces than they used to, you know. I mean, that's dope. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, the, the, the whole industry has changed so much. It's, it, it'd be that'd be an entire podcast just talking about what's changed in the entire the industry. You know, it's like no, it's, it's shifted from it's flash different. to just like I don't even do little. Well, let's talk anymore. a little bit about that, you know, because I feel like our generation, anybody that walked in the door, we needed to be able to put a nice tattoo on totally. them, you know, and because you worked for somebody right. that was taking a percentage. So sure. if you were turning Mark away, they were like. What the hell are yeah, you doing? Yeah, yeah. You better learn how to do a portrait, homie, yeah. or you're out of here. Yeah, I you know you don't say no to work. I did some terrible but, portraits, but now it's a it's there's different <clears throat> sects, right? Yeah. I mean, you, there's the the specializer part of the business, which I think is really cool, yeah. because you're <coughs> able to focus, you know, and luckily you have a clientele that supports you. You know, now I've heard on other, what's the the tattoo podcast, the interviews that we've been listening to recently. Oh hell, the name will come. Oh, is it called Books Closed? But I feel like uh, the host talked to a a tattooer that had like six million fucking Instagram followers or whatever, and he admitted that it was kind of like a mess. That he would like to have his work evolve. And not have to do just this one thing right. all the time, right. and he knows he's not that good at it, but yeah. he gets a lot of recognition for it, you know. Totally. So it's a really confusing kind of place to be, yeah. You know, so I, I think it's just really interesting how that business has has changed. <clears throat> I you, think you, you know, you're right. it's fascinating. Well, with with social media and with the internet, it's like you you know you people can look at millions of pictures of tattoos and kind of pick and hone it's like so so well we were still in the day when you had to come into the shop ask to see our portfolios and hope that we knew how to shoot with a fucking film camera (laughs) decent photos of our work and that was it yeah the internet was a huge change but social media just blew that wide open i mean you're portfolio let's say is available 24 7 worldwide and it's incredibly yeah. up to date it's, you it's just posted the, fo- the tattoo you did that day totally man now let's talk about that a little bit what do you think about people that post their tattoos that day or the whole foam reveal thing i think uh, it's kind of bullshit because i know that the tattoo is not really going to show its true colors until yeah, a year true. down the road yeah i mean you know it's hard to say man I, I i post most of the stuff that i do that i like i i'd say i post i think you have to i, I post maybe twice a week and i probably do i think i do eight tattoos a week and i post twice so you're a not week. posting everything no i mean i mean it's like, like i guess I'm, it's I'm, not I'm, really necessary i'm trying to hone what i'm you know i've been tattooing professionally for 23 years and i want to hone what it is that I do. And I want to say, this is the type of stuff that I want to do now, you know? Well, again, there's the example of the young people just specializing. Right. And you've gone this circuitous right. way around, right. and now you're like, no, yeah. I dig that. I like yeah. to have clients that are coming to me for what I do yeah, and let totally. me do my thing. So, I do, too. Totally. I do, too. Totally, man. So, it's, you know, it's it, and it's all over. It's like, like the shop that I'm in is... It's crazy to me. What is, shop are you at, just so, so people know? <laughs> I work at Till Death in Denver in, uh, in the Rhino District. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's a, a cool shop. It's a great shop, man. I, I like it. I love it. I love everybody that I work with, and um, it's just a really good creative space. Um, if, if you I agree. 
if you haven't seen the, you should check out tilldeck.com. Um, yeah. Look at our portfolios. I, I love that it's a second store, uh, a yeah. second story shop. I think that's a, a kind of a modern thing. I yeah. mean, you always wanted your shop right on the <laughs> exactly. sidewalk so people see people getting tattooed right. and the that's what lures sign. you in, you know. Yeah. But nowadays, a lot of the best shops are off the street. Right. We, we, yeah, we don't want walk-in business. I mean, it, if 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 a tattooer is there, he's booked, you know. Sure. So it's it's hard. It's hard Do to. People, can sometimes people get lucky? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's how it was for me too. I'd be yeah. booked up for weeks, but sometimes somebody wouldn't show on a I, Sunday yeah, afternoon, yeah, and then absolutely. some random would cruise in, and I'm like, "Yeah, what do you want?" And yeah. They'd be like, "I want this big thing. Like, yeah. let's do it." And you're like, "You're kidding." I maybe do a. I maybe do a walk <coughs> once a month. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So, how would you kind of describe your style to people? It's. Like, I mean, I know you can do everything. Right. Because, you, you know, again, you're part of that generation, but, right. I mean. It's illustrative. It's, um, I prefer to work in black, so it's, like, a lot of um, kind of etching style stuff. I, you know, I'm still, I'm still mm-hmm. kind of fine-tuning that style. Uh, I mean, a lot of people do it, and, but it's, but it's just, it's, it's what I've been gravitating towards for the last few years anyway. Maybe, sure. Maybe three to five years. Um, and, and um, you know, it's, it, it, I think I'd say I'd say there's a lot of esoteric um, symbolism, um, but and then within that, it, it it's 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 uh, it varies. It, like I, uh, a lot of my personal drawings are very psychedelic, so it's mm-hmm. like I love tattooing psychedelic stuff. Sure. Um, well, that's the thing. I feel like you know somebody can come to you and say, "I want a bird and a skull," yeah, and you'll come back with some wacky yeah, thing, yeah. you know that shouldn't really surprise them knowing your work <laughs> yeah. but i love it yeah. i, I love your interpretations of things and how they are kind of metamorphic yeah. you know it's like that collage style that like ed hardy i yeah, think totally. kind of and richard stell uh, like, they do that so well and grime you know what i mean stuff. well Absolutely. sure sure but you have your own way of doing it yeah thanks yeah, yeah. no no it's it's I love it. I love it. That's why you're here. I want people to know about you. <laughs> very much. Very so, well, what led you to Colorado? Yeah, I was. Uh, <coughs> my son was turning 18. Um, I was dating a woman that uh, that uh, actually introduced me to you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Becky. Becky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, she's a great person. I was in love with her, and uh, yeah, she's um, cool. Um, she she had lived out here, and she'd lost her house in the flood. In 2013 oh yeah we started dating in at atlanta um when she moved back there for her, for her folks were from out there oh. and um and then she wanted to move back out here and i came and visited i met you um yeah uh, got a got a job in a tattoo shop out here and it just seemed right you know it just seemed like uh the next chapter i was i was pretty burnt out on atlanta like i felt i felt overexposed in atlanta and and I kept thinking like my art career was gonna explode and expand outside of Atlanta. Oh but, sure. But I didn't really feel like I was taking the right steps, and mm. I felt like I was so busy in Atlanta with murals and art shows and stuff that I didn't have the energy um, to to kind of put into expanding. And I, and, I, and I think you know I was hitting I was I was about to turn forty, so I was just kind of like I just felt like it was a shifting point in my life. I'd spent all of my adult life in one city more or less. I'd moved around the south a little bit, but mostly in Atlanta. And um, our, just, our stories are so similar. Yeah, man. just different locations. I was just, I was, yeah. I was, I'd burn the fuck out in Atlanta, man. Yeah. And um, well, lose it. I mean, I mean, for me, like living in California, it just was like, well, why? Yeah. You know, I mean, I I needed it 
to build my name, yeah. my career, client list, all that kind of stuff. But then at a certain point, around 40, right? Yeah. And I was just like, well, look, I, well I, don't, I don't need to be here. Yeah. Why don't I go somewhere where there's seasons <clears throat> and clean air and yeah. like... It's not so everything's not so expensive. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, when I met Becky, she was like, "You're gonna trip when you meet my boyfriend. You guys are gonna be best friends." (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "Yeah, it worked out that way." It's still funny to me to this day, even like she called it so so well. So, I think though, because I knew you when you moved out and had to see you know your transition you had developed a great clientele i'm sure in atlanta and we're getting to do interesting things let's say and then to come to a new town like boulder yeah college town yeah it was tough um and you're having to tattoo walk-ins again yeah you know, I mean, I was how long was it before you started to get appointments even? You know what I'm saying? So, some of both, man. I mean, kind of right sure. off the bat. But then I'd have weeks where it was just like, be flat out like a like a little single line of the flat irons. Which, you know, it's all money. but it's And the it's, flat irons is the, the mountain that overlooks yeah, Boulder. Yeah. And so you're saying, I would imagine students yeah. were getting little line drawing right. tattoos of yeah. little jaggedy things that you have to explain. Oh, that's the, that's the silhouette of right. the the mountain range in right. Boulder. Right. Yeah, so it's like, which I imagine would be frustrating it, considering it, your skill level and it, where you're at. Some now. days it was fine, and some days I just I just wanted to tell them to fuck off. And, and, no, I remember that you'd come over here and you just <laughs> kind of voice your frustration <laughs> yeah. and just be like. You know, what do I got to do, right. you know, and just, you know, I I think I just said you just got to keep yeah. at it and keep yeah. meeting people and yeah. keep drawing and, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, you know what, Art Night actually um, I was gonna really, say. really ignited uh, a lot of cool pieces, you know, the people I met here gave me a lot of trust and respect and stuff and um, I've, I've tattooed a lot of folks that, that um, come to the Art Night. Well, it's funny, too, because you, you were the first art nighter. Yeah, I think totally. I've said that before. Yeah. And I think some of it was that you were frustrated yeah. at work, and you just needed to come and hang yeah. out with another yeah. artist your own age and yeah. just vibe with and yeah. just not have to trip and smoke yeah. some grass and drink a little whiskey yeah. and no big deal. And then I think it was you that was like, we should just invite some yeah. other people, you know, and, uh, I and think I that's tip, how it started. tiptoed around it with you. I was, I was like a little nervous. Like, you'd be like, nah, dude, I don't, you know. So I, I think I'd asked you once at breakfast. We went out to breakfast, and I was like asking about whether you'd want to start a collective or something. And we'd done art nights in Atlanta for quite a few years. I had a, a bunch of friends out there. That well, sure. And even as graffiti writers, we have a tradition totally of getting together and yeah. drinking and smoking and yeah. drawing and yeah. exchanging yeah. ideas. Totally, yeah. I mean, yeah. art night is nothing new to a right. graffiti writer. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so, I, so I'd hit you up, and I'd come over. I think we started on like Thursdays, and we did it like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think I suggested like, hey, what if, and or, or I'd, I'd asked you before, and then you were like, what if we just did it here in my studio? And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, I didn't know, you know, yeah. I didn't know you at all, and I was yeah. just kind of, I was like a little nervous. Um, well, it's enough space for a good twenty yeah. some people. Yeah, yeah. Not so much right now, the way yeah. it's, it's, I'm working in it, yeah, but it's a great studio. Man. Whatever. Yeah, I mean this, you know this this your studio really expanded my world in Colorado, and I'm 
super appreciative of that man. Like, wow, that's good. That's good to hear. That's um, good to hear. I mean, you were you were blowing minds though, like yeah. as soon uh, as you got here, and because you you like to use a brush pen, yeah. and you'll go in often just with the brush pen without a pencil yeah. sketch at all, yeah. and just kind of go for it. Totally. Is that what you kind of would think of as your fine artwork? I think so. You, that stream of consciousness. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of different things. I've, I've done sculpture. I've done performance. Right. I've done, um, paint, lots of paintings and stuff. But but I, th I think like since I've been here, um, yeah. I mean, I don't. My my relationship to my work has changed a lot. You know, because it, it used to seem to be the thing that would propel me into the world, which which it still is. You know, I mean, it still is something. But it, really now it's like. Um, I want to find something that uh, I want to deepen my art practice and not and not make it so much a a, a social uh, you know I, I, used, I used to see art shows as like social climbing or or um, um, well on a certain level it is yeah communicating more so economic if the yeah. work is selling yeah and you're hoping to get into better galleries totally. that'll sell your work for yeah. more value totally. and higher volume yeah. So like by by the time I quit showing in Atlanta, I was I was showing at Basel and um, the High Museum and some other museums were starting to buy my stuff, and I just I think I, I think I hit a wall with that that stuff and I and I, and I was uh, with, with with the with the social aspect with the the art world you know and I just wanted to make things again you know that were that were my my me I, don't, I mean whatever yes. that means I don't even know what that means but well that's kind of like, why you know, I asked you that question regarding your drawings mm -hmm. that you're just going in with the ink yeah. because it seems like such a pure flow like For right sure. out of your damn soul For into sure. the pen and it's so quick and you're yeah. so precise Thanks, like man. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of kids that'll come to art night for the first time and they'll want to come over and watch me draw thinking, oh, this guy's like an amazing master. And then he turns around and there you are with your brush pen <laughs> and you're you, just killing it. Like, oh my God. Can we talk a little bit about the dicks? Yeah. <laughs> the dicks can, is funny. Because whenever, whenever you kind of get into one of those kind of drawings... Uh, uh, at least one dick will kind of come yeah. out. And wasn't that part of your college thing, too? Didn't yeah, they hassle uh, you because you did a yeah. show that was a lot about oh, penises and my, stuff? My, my, my thesis show, actually, was called The Pink Passenger. And it was all... The Pink Passenger. Like, in my, in my <laughs> thesis paper, I don't mention penises at all, but every image is a... Uh, is, uh, is, um, phallic? Very, very phallic. Yeah. Lots of... Lots of big throbbing of pink rods. Sure, um, sure. And and um, so it, you know. It's, Why? I don't know. I, I, like it's. Still I mean, I get that about an artist. You get into a thing like, oh, I'm just gonna paint oranges for two years. You know, I th you know, you know I or think whatever. <laughs> if I have to like like analyze it, I think I think it was something that in in like elementary and middle school people, it got me attention and people laughed at it and they were like, that's the weirdo that draws dicks. You know? Yeah, and then it just kind of continued, and then it was kind of like, wow, this is kind of profound and fucked up, and like a kind of like a, a gross kind of like, I don't know, like I have, I have some, like I don't want to say too well, much. Well, it's kind of cultural too, I, though. I, I've I mean, got some sexual trauma from childhood and stuff, sure. and it's like, so I've got some weird like uh, underlying um, issues around sex and stuff. Sure, like that. and uh, and um, so, so it's like my 
I feel like I feel like I transferred a lot of my eroticism or a lot of my erotic energy into drawing, you know. And it's I think that's I, good. I, I, I don't I don't think I'm homoerotic. I've never been attracted to men, but the amount of penises that I've drawn is is pretty substantial. Um, even things that's just that, why I ask. Yeah. It's just a funny thing. Yeah. I just I love it. I mean, I've got a few drawings in my yeah. flat files that you did at art night yeah. that we collabed on. And yeah. There's like dicks and dicks. stuff, and it's just so funny to me. Yeah. I think it's hilarious because it is. It's a chuckle every time somebody sees one because it's not just a picture of a dick. Yeah. It's like a drawing, a really yeah. complicated, beautiful, crazy <laughs> drawing, and there happens to be a dick or two or or fifteen yeah, or totally. you know. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. At, at a professor in grad school who I really admired, uh, Pam Longobardi. I, I loved her. What's work. her name? Pam Longobardi. Longobardi. Yeah, she did all these like uh, a uh, teacher. Yeah, she's a, my professor in grad school, and, and uh, where did you go to grad school? Georgia State University. Georgia State. Okay. But she, uh, the first day I met her, she, she goes, "Oh, Sam Parker, I've heard of you. You're the guy that does dicks." Oh and man! First like, day. Yeah, grad like, school. Like I was just like, wait, what? what? And I was, I was a little embarrassed, and then and then, you know, I've done all these paintings in grad school, and they were all kind of like, "Please stop with the goddamn dicks already, man." Sure. And and, and I did for. And I, and not every drawing has explicitly dicks, but I think no. I just I think I just draw them even if I'm not drawing a penis. It's just like this, these kind of phallic shapes and stuff. So. Sure. No, it's just a. <laughs> did you did you ever include dicks in like the graffiti work? Did you ever have dicks? Because yeah. like, <laughs> I, I, I did. I, I did. I, I drew era. characters with dicks that's out. So, you know that's so funny. That, that, I'm foul in that way. I, like. I did. T- I did too, and I and I, I even did like these little open-eyed characters that look real similar to like the throws you were doing in the '90s. Oh yeah. Before I'd seen your like stuff. a one-eyed wonder worm. That's right. And Keith was like, "Oh fuck, goddamn, you're uh, Mike Giant Jocker," and I was like, "Who's Mike Giant?" And, and it just like then I saw your stuff and I was like, yeah, those are really fucking similar. Yeah. But, I, but I do I, yeah. occasionally I do these characters, um, and they'd be holding this huge penis, and it would be you yeah. know, ejaculating the words like love zero or something yeah. like that. I remember doing a piece, it's just a giant piece, and it had like a yellow character, and his dick was in his hand, and it went down to the ground, and then rolled down the ground, <laughs> and then there was like a cartoon bubble <laughs> next to it, just said nine inches of limp dick. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one I did with Joker in San Francisco at the what did we call it? it was a spot off Market Street and I drew a character jerking off and it said Giant and Joker jerking off <laughs> <laughs> it was big and I did like the the different colors like the you know how you do the black and then you'd have the different colors to show the dimension like yeah. the light sources yeah. and I did that to the whole character I did one too in San Diego it was like one nine seven six giant and this awful character with another yellow one with a big big dick, and it got painted <laughs> over that day. Like I, I, yeah. I remember, I, I laughed, yeah. and uh, the, yeah, the people that own the place were like, "There's just no way that's gonna last." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny though. How, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I had never done that before, but I saw Twist uh-huh. had did a character at. California Street and Kearney. There's a pit there, and it's still there. And I think he did a blue and silver twist piece with a character in the same colors. And the character was this like little business suit guy, but he just had the the tie and the the sport coat, and his he had no pants on, and his little dick was hanging out. And I just (laughs) thought it was so funny, just kind of vulgar but cartoony. 
you know, but part of a graffiti thing, like a cohesive thing. I just thought that was so odd, like, to go with that. Because a lot of characters had, like, this bravado, like they were carrying a gun, like the the New York-style characters, those, like, uh, TNB and TC5 kind of thing, you know? Which I love. The sunglasses. The mugs. The the those green does so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mugs. Oh, yeah. Mugging. I love that shit. But Um, that's the thing. Some people have different character styles. Do you remember that Doug piece that said it was like, I can't remember if it was coming out of the D or what it was. It was like a really realistic penis ejaculating and it said like, I love you, Jessica, or something like that. Well, yeah, Jessica's his wife. It's funny. Yeah. um, I don't (sighs) remember... I feel like I remember. I think it was in that early can control. Or there something was one so. that was on the the road going to the Bay Bridge, and Twist and Doug and maybe Trem or something, but they did big, big kind of block letters. But I think Doug had a pussy for his U, <laughs> yeah. and Twist had a one. dick for his I. <laughs> And it was, again, it was so vulgar, and it was right on the freeway. Like, probably yeah. the place that got the most yeah. uh, motor traffic yeah. in in the city, yeah. you know, and it was up for a while. I think it was on, like, near the back of the Sound Factory Club. I remember seeing it and just being like, holy shit. And I had to come back, like, the yeah. next day to get a photo. I rode my bicycle over there, and it was gone. It was already buffed. But... God damn, that was cool. Yeah. It's funny, huh? Yeah. I mean, you're already kind of being vulgar by putting your yeah, name up, and totally. it's kind of like a slap in the face. So yeah, to have your piece, you know, ejaculating or something, <laughs> yeah, it's just totally. like, fuck you, you yeah, know. Totally. That's funny. Oh, that, it, all right, let's keep going with this. When I battled Kept, yeah, yeah, he had done a piece, and he had a character next to it, and his character was kind of running sideways with his mouth open. And I parked one of my characters in front of his with my character's <laughs> dick yes. in his mouth. Oh, it looked uh, perfect. Uh, I touched it up just right. I used the same colors he did. Oh. It looked so good. That was one of my most famous disses. Yeah. Yeah. I've, oh, yeah. I just okay. started following that guy on Instagram again. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I actually, we got into it. We got into a fight and stuff. And, uh... I ended up seeing him a while later, and I think he was out with uh, maybe Fate. Yeah. Daytime, looking at spots, I think. Yeah. And I stopped him, and I apologized uh, to him for uh, fighting him uh, and for it getting out of hand and all this stuff. <laughs> and Fate is looking at me like, you're the biggest fucking pussy I've oh, ever yeah. seen. How <laughs> the fuck are you just apologizing yeah. to this guy? Like, what the fuck? That's yeah. that's what I was feeling. Yeah. And Kept looked at me like I was kind of crazy too and was just like, yeah, that, it's cool. Like, yeah. whatever, man. Like, I ain't tripping on that shit no more. I, I don't even think about you. And I was like, great. Like, There's so much it's chest all good. puffing and graffiti and like That was a, kind of the only stuff, beef that I had though. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think part of that was he might have been uh, there was mental issues. I think he just yeah. started talking shit to me and couldn't stop. And yeah. then I was like, all right, well, let's actually <clears throat> do something about this. He, he was a strange guy. Sure. Me- megalomaniac. Or yeah. I don't even know. I, I, I dug his stuff, though. Yeah, He's got, weird, like, man. eight distinct styles. Totally, man. I mean, it's like every few years it would switch completely and yeah. you'd just be like, whoa, is that the same dude? He was, he, wow. was real, he was real influential to early Minneapolis graffiti. Sure. Um, uh, influencing a lot of folks out yeah. there. And, uh, That's the thing. Like, probably... There's parts of his 
career that I'm like, oh, those are... Like, when yeah. he was hanging out with Bless, yeah. I was like, these are spot on. Yeah, yeah. And he gets to learn from Bless? Yeah, yeah, What? Totally. Holy but shit. He, right, he come back to Minneapolis and rock those Bless styles. And yeah, like, dude. You know, they were good. Yeah. Bless is very dope. Bless is still dope. Yeah, totally. And, you know... Bless is a dope tattooer. I don't think yeah. we should blow him up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. he knows who he is. Yeah, totally. Respect, dude. Yeah. Huge respect. Yeah. So what's going on with you kind of now? You're settled in in Broomfields, yeah. so, which is just about 25 minutes from my place in yeah. Boulder. So, so I live south of Boulder. I live north of Denver. Yeah. Um, it's good. You know, um, actually three people that I've more or less met through Art Night, and two of them I... I had met just prior to Art Night, but um, it was the Art Night crowd. I'm li- living with uh, some younger artists that are really motivated people. One of the guys started tattooing um, as a result of Art Night, Mark. And, yeah. Um, no, I think the arrangement that you guys have is uh, is interesting <clears throat> and it's really smart. And it's yeah. to me, it's very 2018. You've yeah. got, what is it, a five-bedroom house that you're renting? It's is it four. five? Is it I mean, four? There, there okay. Could, there could be a it's fifth huge. bedroom. It's huge, man. It's like 4,000 square feet. And I'd say more than 2,000 of its studio space. Like, right. Like probably but it's to, to me, it's a way for artists to survive. Totally. Because you guys are just splitting the bills, I totally. would assume. Yeah. So that makes it really affordable. Right. You're in a funny neighborhood. Yeah, because it's, it's all these huge houses with yeah. big yards. Yeah. And they're all four or five bedrooms, yeah. I got to think. Yeah. But you're this little <clears throat> art house. Totally, man. You so know? It's, it's very cool. It's like we got, we've got a a casting studio we've got a welding studio right we've got, now we have a ceramic studio mm-hmm. that we just built a, a put in 220 line to put a kiln on the back porch oh wow um cool and then everybody's um let's see we've there might be other studios that are like specific but um um and everybody's working as professional artists so it's like everybody's making their living as yes yeah. um and and I don't know. It feels good, man. I feel like sure. like I've helped facilitate that to some degree, even though those guys were super motivated f- from the get go, man. Absolutely. Um, well, sure. Know. I mean, y- you know, how old are you? I'm 43. Yeah, uh, I'm 47. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like we're we're not the elders, but we're, we're we, we, we know what the fuck we're doing <laughs> and can take on some responsibilities yeah. and and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think Art Night's really cool, and I think it's really rad that you host Art Night a few weeks of the month. It's like two times out of the month it's at yeah, your place. Yeah, I, th- I think we, ro- we rotate now between yeah. three different places, Yeah, which I think is, pre- is working pretty good for everybody. I think you know? it's really neat. Yeah. yeah, each one has a very different vibe. Totally. For sure, I, I love your basement, though. Yeah, thanks. Man. It's it's such a funny thing because yeah. when people come up for the first time, they're like, "Is this really where it is?" Because again, yeah. it's just in this yeah. really kind of normal Very neighborhood. You never think artists live there. There's no other than the broken cash register on the front porch. There might be no, yeah. uh, you know. It's pretty nut. We we mow our lawn and uh, yeah, we don't look too weird. I think it's just funny that like. It's such a quiet neighborhood, and on, and on certain Wednesday nights, yeah, it's yeah. on. There's yeah. like 20 cars out in front of your place. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the most people we've had in the basement, but I guess it's over 30 people in the yeah. basement, all drawing and yeah. smoking. But I think that's something for people to hear. You know, you yeah. guys are sharing a four bedroom, and you've yeah. got a huge basement that yeah. can handle 30 people yeah. Yeah. comfortably sitting there drawing. <clears throat> oh, it's so cool. It's great. It's been. Uh, you know, I, I get a little burnt out on it sometimes. Yeah. 
but uh man I, I try to i try to come to every art night and uh that's right uh you know for me it's like a learning and teaching experience man I've, sure i've met a lot of really good people like, yeah like oh you've mentored some people straight up totally yeah that's really cool I've got a, a, i met a 15 year old kid i think uh yeah i think you met you met forrest, forrest. i think For, i met forrest and his mom at one of my shows yeah. And I can't remember if it was her, but, you know, it came up that I did this art thing and I told her, you know, oh, yeah, it'd be perfectly fine as long as you're okay with him being around marijuana smoke and, and alcohol because there's going to be some grown-ups there. And she was like, no, that's fine, you know. And she would drop him off every, yeah, every Wednesday when they were doing them here in my studio. Yeah, totally. And then he kind of went under your wing and... Yeah you kind of really showed him the ropes as a graffiti writer right. I mean, he's he does it pretty consistently doesn't yeah. he i mean we're, he still? Know, it's, it's it's legal you know so it's not like I'm it's taking, different i'm not taking him out bombing and stuff um, which i don't really do anyway but sure um, we, but we, at least you could take him to the day spot and totally show him right. how to use spray yeah, paint and yeah, figure it out you know, he was struggling with school and and and, and um you know um I wasn't painting anything, so I'd go to the legal wall with him in Boulder and go yeah. paint with him every Saturday, and uh, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is fun!" You know, yeah. I love this actually. Sure, I, I hadn't painted in a few years. You know, like I, I'd maybe do three or four pieces a year, and then all of a sudden I was doing close to fifty pieces a sure. year. It was like uh, it was amazing. You know, so I, I credit him with a lot of my own motivation. You know, I'm painting well, that's... a lot now kind of how it works yeah. right i mean there's plenty of writers that come back out in their 40s depending yeah. on where they are in the world yeah. you know what i mean yeah. sometimes it's just moving to a big city and just oh, being yeah. like oh i can get away with this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like i wouldn't really even think of bombing in boulder because it's oh. such a small place there's really yeah. no tradition of it it would just be i mean i'm sure the police would just come to my front door right. the next day exactly. even if i wrote something else right you know it just <laughs> it would get around somehow yeah. it's just way too small I, of a place yeah i see kids bombing out here and i'm like yeah go it's like, do that. well like denver has a tradition yeah. of like freeway bombing freight trains oh, yeah. it's one of the biggest freight train yards in the whole country yeah, yeah. you know i've been in there many times we used to come up from albuquerque in the early 90s and okay. denver was like a it was a big city to us totally. you know it's like we were around sketchy people and we were going to raves right. and you know we were writing a lot of graffiti you know that's something i guess we could talk about too it's like the neighborhood that i used to write graffiti in in denver in the early 90s is now the hip neighborhood uh, because it it, yeah, yeah totally. right next to the tracks yeah. we could go down to rhino on a sunday and paint during the day <laughs> yeah. on the street because if yeah. you saw a car it was probably a cop and you yeah. just run and hide yeah but they probably weren't going to chase you because it was a warehouse district yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But I think that that's an interesting story because you've kind of come in on that too totally since been. you've been here, you know. But like that neighborhood, as far as the graffiti writers were concerned, got co-opted awesome. by the street artists and we weren't Absolutely. per se so happy totally. about that. Yeah. And then that spearheads the gentrification cycle, Absolutely. which is happening in the same neighborhood right now, which exactly. even I was kind of... A part of when I did the Crush Walls event, totally. you know, because I found out it was actually funded by the people who are yeah. trying to gentrify that neighborhood, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, gentrification has it happens. It has positives and it has negatives. That's uh, sure. Um, 
But I think, yeah, artists for sure. I mean, in street art, there's always been beef between street artists and graph writers. How, how, I mean, explain that, though. I think a lot of people just don't understand how graffiti writers can have problems with the kids that are out there spray painting walls, too. Yeah, uh, so, so the way I perceive it is, is um, um, graph writers feel like... Uh, um, they're they're the, the the trailblazers. They're the ones that you know it started in the late '60s, early '70s. Kids writing their names and stuff, and nobody was calling it art. You know, it was it was um, people were just writing their names to get to get fame, really. So it's I think I think it you know it comes from a different um, place. Even though like like I was always I always considered my art myself an artist, even when I was um, writing graffiti as a kid. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if I just perceive what you know my terrible tags as vandalism, um, I still considered myself an artist. But but um, um, I think I think the it was always shunned by mainstream culture. So then when you get these street artists coming in and they're doing these cute little um, characters or even you know street art, I think initially the, what I perceive is it was illegal, you know, but it was. It was kind of piggybacking on what graph writers were doing. It was often was, going right over, right, going going over. And graffiti it was, writers were. Right. So I mean, was, even that's at the crux of Banky, Banksy versus Rabo, right? A historic yeah. piece of Rabo's, a graffiti writer gone over by a street artist right, that right. never wrote graffiti. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's a classic, classic beef. That's totally. why I bring that up. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, so, so it's like you know, you, and I do both, man. I do murals, and it's like, and and I've. I've you do. Some, you do some, some beef, really cool ones. I've had some beef with a kid that does throws over my murals and and, uh, <laughs> and then just calls me a, a, a toy bitch online. Oh, right. I remember it's, it's all like, about that. Is okay. he still at it? I mean, you know, I did this I did this illegal thing in this alleyway, and he came and did a throw over it. Sure, sure. And I was just like, what, what are you doing? But man? how long ago was that? Like, I haven't heard anything. Ago. Yeah, so he's still active. Yeah. We yeah. should just find him. Yeah, totally. Why well, not? Yeah, totally. That's I how mean, we would have dealt I mean, with I mean, it in the nineties. Right. I mean, would have fucking he'd, hunted him down. He'd, he'd got would have even kicked. used a girl to get him to in a, get him cornered. <laughs> for sure. Well, that's the thing. It's different. Yeah. It's uh, and I guess we would be the the bad guys for even yeah. thinking that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't really want to fight anybody, man. No, like, you don't have to. No. That's why the kids are hungry I'll, to, I'll to play him. that game. You just point the direction. That guy, right. but you know, it's, and, and I don't know, you know, uh, at forty three, am if, if, am I gonna fight a twenty five year old and get my ass kicked? You know, it's like I was pretty tough when I was twenty five. Well, that's the thing. I was, I was I, I'm not shape. saying you do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a there's a part of me that's like you never let them see you hit them. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. If you're actually gonna jack somebody, yeah, yeah. you never let them know who did it at all. Right. Or why? Yeah. They just get jacked. Yeah. You know? And then they're terrified. Yeah. You know, if you give them a reason, then they're like, oh, well, now I know what this is about. I can, like, relax. And if I see that person again. But if you jack somebody and you yeah. don't let them know at all, yeah. boy, that instills some terror. I know that myself from getting jacked <laughs> like that. I got jumped all yeah. the time as a kid. I got jumped. But you know? Right and I too. never knew what it was about. Yeah, totally. You know, but it terrified me constantly. I was looking, oh, yeah. I, I was watching my back constantly. Yeah, I've, I've gotten jumped multiple times and growing up. Sure, sure. 
and some people that turns them into thugs too and some people they just are like no i'm just gonna try to avoid that oh. shit oh, that's not my trip like I, I tried to be tough for years it turns out i'm not that tough you know? i'm not either i'm not either <laughs> oh. i would defend myself yeah, totally. in a blind oh. raging fury oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll kick your fucking ass if you attack me well, I'll try <laughs> well that's the thing <laughs> i think we're still of that generation like even my father i think if Shit goes down. He he throw fisticuffs. <laughs> Poor old man. I hate to even think about that, but he, actually, he'd pull his gun. <laughs> yes. He's no dummy. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap it up. Yeah, um, how can people find you? Are you on Instagram? Yeah, I've got an Instagram. It's uh, Sam Parker Artist. Sam Parker Artist. Um, if you want we to always see... give you shit for that. Yeah, that's my that's the artist my, on the end. Sam Parker <laughs> Artist. Uh, it's, it well, people give me shit about the OG. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, people it's, call me OG. It's like, funny. it's not something that I. Yeah, I'm no. claiming, so to speak. You know, it's just like if people are gonna call me that, I'll say, yeah, I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. Original gangster. Yeah. Do you have a website? I don't anymore. I, I couldn't figure out how to use it. But um, you can also, if you want to see my graffiti work, you can look it up at um, Ciro C E R O A K B T C I, um, and that's how you can get. You can look at my stuff. Those are the crews that you kind of still wrap A K B and A K B. A K B. A K B. T C I. That's awesome. Well. Thanks so much. I'm glad we were able to finally get this on. I appreciate you on many levels, Mike. I I appreciate you too, bro. Thank you very much.